0: hello everyone welcome to nothing to fear we're back for another episode with your three favorite horror movie hosts billy schultz hello that's me and (laughs) luke mason hello that's you
1: hello that's me and alex Wan, hello that's you hello that's you
2: i mean oh shit sorry
1: we rehearsed this (laughs) oh we did yeah that's probably why we messed it up i messed
2: it up in rehearsal too though i
1: I think we're a lot better when we don't rehearse things right we should just go off the
2: cuff off the top of our head whatever hello is this mic on hello hey do you remember that woman in michigan like a couple months ago that was like found alive at the funeral home and then died a little later did she have to be rehearsed (laughs) why was it michigan (laughs) Well, I just think that's where it was. It was, like, in Detroit. So this is a real story? That yeah, it was a new story, into- like, a couple months ago. It was, like, a 20-year-old woman found alive in in Detroit Funeral Home. And she was there, like, as she, she had passed away. But then she wasn't actually clinically dead. But then she passed away again. They did clinically prove that it oh. happened later. But that only, like, Hurst. Nope. But then rehearsed. Mm. So to quote the Smiths, <laughs> the joke isn't funny anymore. Well... <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if it ever was. Yeah. You're you're ascribing so, the
0: fact that it was gonna be funny to start with.
1: Yeah. I think it was okay. I would I would have given it like a seven, but then the delivery made it a two.
2: Mm. Wow. So Alex so, is on uh, his bullshit. Next again. time I should just hearse it.
1: There, that's better. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's like a that's like a good eight.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, well, it doesn't get any better than that. If, well, if you're a new listener and you're wondering, okay, they got all their goofiness out of the way earlier, well, you are in for a very large disappointment, new listeners, because it's just going to continue along this vein
2: pretty much all the way. Perhaps the two, two-wheel stand-up broom can be, maybe I'll have a hearse in my dreams. Oh, oh. <laughs> dreams. Now, that is an interesting two-wheel
0: stand-up broom because we are watching this week our... First entry into the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So, I'm excited for this one. I am as excited as I was for Friday the 13th, (laughs) and I hope to be much, much less disappointed than I was with Friday the
1: 13th. I hope Freddy's in this one.
0: I hope Freddy is in... I hope the main bad guy is in this one. You know what? I hope Jason is in this one, because he wasn't in Friday the 13th (laughs) for one, so let's have him show up, too. Are we going to watch
1: Freddy versus Jason anytime? I think eventually. We'll probably get to it.
0: But... I'm I'm excited for this one because it is such an icon of horror, and it's such a big Scream cream, I know uh, Wes Craven, I think, is the director mm. of these, yeah. and he's also a big, big name in horror horror movies. I, I don't know if it is Wes Craven, so don't at me right away. <laughs> People
1: have been craving his movies.
0: <laughs> okay, so that joke was a three out of
1: ten. The delivery, though. <laughs> the delivery. You got to put that in to account I, as well. Right, that delivery, delivery is, is like, you that.
2: should be a pizza boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good! Thank you. <laughs> okay. What, Luke? What do you know about Nightmare on Elm Street? I know that it's Freddy Krueger. I know Freddy Krueger is a little bit more of a, of a talkative shithead than Michael Myers or Jason combined. I feel like it's funny because those are like the big three. You could throw probably Leatherface in there too but not a chatty not a chatty. no yeah. all three of those compared to freddie like freddie you know if the four of them are hanging out freddie's doing all the talking <laughs> so i'm excited to, <gasps> to to hear the dumb jokes today speaking
0: of where they're all hanging out you know where you can see all of them hanging
2: out oh where billy
0: <laughs> on our t-shirt designer nothing our daytime is safety t-shirt mm. they're all playing on a playground it's available right now go check it out in our merch store great segue
2: but yeah well, I'm excited because I've never seen this movie. I think it's like a lot of the movies we've done. I've never seen, but I know a lot about it yeah. because it's been so saturated in culture. So I'm excited to actually get it. And I just know how many, how many other movies have been influenced by or reference it. it small I, it, not big I, <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, lowercase I. Yeah, lowercase yeah. I. And so I'm, I'm excited to pick out the things from other movies that... Are maybe nods and winks to this one, and I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street is gonna be so campy that I'm excited for the dumb jokes that Freddy Krueger is gonna have. I, I just know he's got like a running monologue almost the whole movie, him <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> talking about uh, what he's gonna do. I'm very excited because I I have heard he does have
0: some pretty good puns, and it's supposed to be horror, but it is campy and funny and and jokey. But Alex, what do you, what do you know about Fred, uh fucking hell? Not Friday the Thirteenth. Nightmare on
1: Elm Street. Well, I know that it's actually, the full title of the movie is A Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: I think it's The Nightmare. No, it's A. Is it A Nightmare? I'll bet
1: you 50 bucks right now. Go. No takesie-backsies.
2: Well, if you're this confident, why would I bet you? Okay. How about $2? (laughs) It's Some Nightmares (laughs) on Elm Street.
1: (laughs) So anyways, it's A Nightmare on Elm Street. I am excited to see this movie because, you know, it's a classic and I've never seen it before, but my prediction is I don't think I'm going to like it. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, you, yeah, just because you Like, I'm excited yourself. to see it,
1: but I don't think I'm going to like it because I didn't like Friday the 13th, mm. and I'm going to mystic, tick, tick myself. You're going to tick yourself. You're, I'm you're, going to tick myself, so I will be less angry in part two, and I will be n- very happy if it, like, surprises me. Sure. I yeah. guess you're
0: setting your your bar pretty low. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you'll be Maybe tickled
1: thing. by it. Does he tickle people? <laughs> well, well, kind a matter of speaking. I know. I know. It's got to do with dreams and stuff. Right? It's
0: dreams. Uh, the thing I know about a nightmare on Elm Street, or the nightmare on Elm Street, or one of the many nightmares on one of the many streets is that uh, all of my knowledge comes from that episode of The Simpsons, The Treehouse of Horror, mm. where it's uh, a nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. I think is the the mm. name the name of the rolls off the tongue segment or something. I'm surprised they didn't go that's... with
1: Nightmare on Fake Street. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and <laughs> that's a good one Thank you. but where willie becomes the the dream haunter mm. and it's just chock full of references that while i love the simpsons and in enjoyed you know the simpsons growing up so many times i would see a reference to a movie or tv show that i would uh, uh, you know first in the simpsons and then the actual original property much later and be mm. like oh that was from the right. simpsons that was or that was the simpsons parodied this part of this movie and so I'm excited to see
2: that one. I feel like it's, I'm, I'm excited about doing a movie like this, this far into our podcast, because I feel like my expectations are well calibrated, right? We've watched enough of these quote unquote classic horror movies where I know they're mostly pretty bad. So uh, in, in a lot of the ways of, of like films that I like. So I'm, I'm also tick <laughs> like Alex, but I feel like that might make me be able to enjoy it more. Yes. Then it would be if I'm going to be like, "Whoa, Nightmare on Elm Street is a classic horror film," so I'm expecting cinema, cinema par excellence, right? As opposed to now, I'm just expecting like movie, okay. Yeah. Instead, don't go in expecting filet
0: mignon. Go in expecting like (laughs) popcorn chicken. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's that's what we should be looking at. I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited. I can't Mm -hmm. wait to to -hmm. get in and watch it. So I think, without any more further ado, we'll we'll hop in. To the movie. Oh, there's a bit more I, do. I,
2: I just I like I like when we're doing movies that the three of all three of us haven't seen before. I agree. I enjoy those in a weird way. They're kind of special. Yeah, you because
0: know? you you are by by far the person who's seen the most. I would say mm-hmm. out of the three of us, and it is nice when we all don't have an expectation going in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: get out of here, Charles Dickens. We're gonna have lower expectations. <laughs> How's that delivery? (laughs)
2: That was good. That was a good one, Alex. Okay.
0: (laughs) Alex, bravo. That was great. Thank you. So we're going to watch this movie. We are going to be spoiling it once we come back from the trailer. And this is your fair warning to not be spoiled by what we talk about. If you want to watch it, I definitely recommend it. If you are worried about any of the conversation we have that may be triggering about scenes in the movie, check out doesthedogdie.com. As with all horror movies, and especially this one, I feel like the potential for gore is high in the 100th percentile. Mm. Uh, so do check that out, and we will see you in several minutes. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them.
2: There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> We could just see cuts happening.
0: What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know.
2: What There's
0: a coroner I got to say. He's the John puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There
2: was somebody else there.
0: He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag.
2: No one knows where it came from or
0: who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare. On Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No.
1: Whatever you do, don't fall asleep.
0: No! no! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Ah!
2: No one will survive. Ah!
1: A Nightmare on Elm Street is a 1984 American supernatural slasher film written and directed by Wes Craven and produced by Robert Shea. It is the first series in the Nightmare on Elm Street film series, and the plot concerns four teenagers living on one street in the fictitious town of Springwood, Ohio, who are invaded and killed in their dreams and thus killed in reality by a burnt killer with a bladed leather glove. First of all, that's not Ohio. <laughs> that's not Ohio. It was filmed in LA and they were very clear to show palm trees. So many palm trees.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that bridge is like in the show Californication. So
0: Okay, well it did say it was a fictitious town in Ohio. <laughs> right. So in this fictitious town of Springwood, Ohio. Yeah. Maybe palm Ohio's trees...
2: on the west coast in this fictitious world. Yeah. This Ohio is in the tropics.
0: <laughs> yeah. They didn't say Ohio United States. It right. could have been Ohio Bahamas. Sure. Ohamas. Oh, <laughs> So, a nightmare on Elm Street. We finished it. We got through it. It is pretty much what I expected. It was exactly what I first expected. first hot take. it was, yeah, it was goofy. I think I think the punning and the the jokesterness of Freddy Krueger is something that can is gonna ramp up past mm. the first one right like they this was people would have given feedback, oh, we liked his jokes or whatever, and they gave him more to do in the other movies. so I can see. It growing from there, but what, what what about you, Alex? What was your yeah. initial take of this movie?
1: I, I I had fun watching it. I think he monologued less than you said that he would. Yeah, he didn't he didn't say that much. No, uh, it was mostly laughing and laughing, cackling, and, yeah, and being like, "Oh, yeah, I'm coming for you, Ha-ha.
2: I'm your boyfriend now." <laughs> I think I think probably it's more in the sequels that that starts to happen, right. like like Billy was mentioning, and I, I, yeah, you're right he didn't monologue very much in this Yeah, but movie. he was in this movie, so I think it makes it better <laughs> than Friday the 13th already. <laughs> yes,
0: Freddy Krueger appearing in this movie. Uh, and right away, mm-hmm. it it kind of just hits the ground running, hey, yeah, where he's uh, sharpening his stuff in Lipstick-Face Demon's lair. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's he he asks Lipstick-Face Demon if he can bore the belt <laughs> the belt sander for a minute and <laughs> and gets yeah, we get to see him putting on his hat and making his knife glove hand and then it and it's right away we see some gal in a strange industrial type setting in a nightgown and she's having a nightmare and it yeah it really just kicks off (laughs) kicks off running which i didn't i didn't hate i like that they just sort of dropped you in the middle of the movie and said okay it's going yeah i uh
2: i enjoyed this movie quite a bit of the big four of like the classics. If, I, if we're going to be naming them that way, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and... Halloween. And Halloween. I think this was the third best movie. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween are better movies than A Nightmare on Elm Street. But Head and Shoulders, as, a, as an experience, I enjoyed watching this one the most. Yeah. Because it was the funniest. It was and, funny. It was goofy. It was very goofy. It
0: was full of prosthetics and buckets and buckets of blood. And the effects... For 1984 and up into today, mm-hmm. they're
2: good. They're pretty good. And I think it was goofy in a in a self-aware way, mm. which made me be fine with the goofy and the campiness of it. And I think that there's something Wes Craven about that, the guy who wrote and directed it, because obviously he's he, he did the four Scream movies, which are all intentionally self-referential in the horror genre. And so I think already you can start to see like the nascent tropes being intentionally put in in nightmare on elm street you know and just like because of the way the music is and the sound and the and the funniness of it i i really liked it it was a lot of fun yeah
1: yeah it was fun it was funny it was really cheesy but in a good way i think the scare like it, it was it was interesting to me because it wasn't like i was never bored in this movie because i i because i think the the kind of switching between the real world and the dream world and kind of her Nancy figuring out what was happening it kept me in because I like I knew it was about dreams and I knew he he kind of like Freddie comes out and attacks people in their dreams but I wanted to know more about how it happens and what happens and why it was and I think I remember reading about his origin about you know when when Nancy's mom says that he was a child killer and they tracked him down and they killed him but now for sure i know that's that's kind of his origin and yeah i think it's a cool origin story and i'm sure the sequels will explore it more
0: i like that they didn't give you an answer as to why he suddenly was able to be in dreams you know it because it was fred krueger was this child killer who uh, you know killed about 20 kids we find out in the movie and through some sort of clerical error during the trial he got to walk he got set free on a technicality and so the parents of the neighborhood that was affected by these killings bandaged together tracked him down and burned him alive so a little vigilante justice a little you know the the law can't help us so we'll take it into our own hands but we didn't get a point from okay he burned to death by this mob there's no answer to why he was now able to haunt people's dreams and attack people in their dreams. And I kind of like that because mm-hmm. there's ways to answer that question. And I wouldn't be surprised if the later movies give us an answer that we are unhappy
1: about getting, <laughs> you know, like that's the reason. Oh, come on. Yeah. Freddie was really Nancy's
2: brother, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and, and he had a lot of metachlorians. <laughs>
0: ah, yes. <laughs> the highest Canson's Master Yoda. <laughs> yes,
2: Exactly and i think maybe a more actual accolade is i loved the leitmotif of this film the little piano keys yeah d- that are that are behind and just that do i can't do it but anyone who's seen nightmare on elm street knows the do 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 like it's it's to me it's as iconic of of a, of a score of a sound as the halloween theme is to halloween but it's not it's like in a minor sense, right? The Halloween theme is always very much dominant in the scene when it's in it, which is cool. But this one, there are a few points where it's dominant, but for the most part, it's kind of leitmotif, right? Like it's in the background. Yeah. And I enjoy that quite a bit.
0: Yeah. And it's always the same, right? Which is mm-hmm. the, the, the leitmotif. So when you know, when you hear it coming around, you know something's happening. And yeah, it is it is very ethereal and it paints a very yeah dreamlike scape. I really... I really liked how they handled the dream stuff and how it fended off the obvious, you know, question that or the problem I have in movies a lot of times when people say, oh, we have five minutes to do something. And then it's eight minutes of film or something like it's mm-hmm. not real life. And it's it's great because you can just ha- say it's dream logic. It's dream time. You know, dreams take a long time, but last for four or five seconds in the real like a real time passing. so the fact that yeah it took a little bit more time but that's how dreams work was was cool and how it didn't matter where sets were it didn't have to be continuous you know she could be walking through a boiler room one minute and then through her own house a minute later because that's what that's what dreams are like and that was it was awesome
2: awesome the dream great. parts were so good because of tapping into all of our instincts around how how time speeds up, slows down. You're walking normal, but then you can't move. There's something grabbing you. You, She, like, she can't get up the stairs. Everything is very disorienting, but you still feel like it's normal. Mm-hmm. It was awesome.
0: While you're in the dream, it's yeah. completely normal.
2: And then it makes the goofiness of Freddy Krueger in the dreams seem just part of the story as opposed to like goofy on purpose. Yeah. Like his long arms and his goofy walk and his weirdness just seems to be like well it's a dream of course dreams are pretty weird yeah dreams are random we don't know what they're like they say that in the in the movie we don't really
0: know where dreams come from or what they do and i'm sure there's been much more research on dreams and sleeping in the intervening you know 35 36 years but you know i still we still don't really know as far as i know we don't really have a good understanding of what a dream is well i think exactly. freud said
2: the dream is the unconscious desire to go sleep with your mother so <laughs> I think Nancy, <laughs> if that were the case, Nancy's gonna have to go spend a little bit more time in the tanning salon. <laughs> well, okay, Oedipus, favorite... settle down. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Alex.
1: <laughs> my favorite dream of all time is a dream I had where me and Lana Del Rey were together, and not mm. like, you know, but like together, <laughs> together. We had plans to go to brunch and do our taxes together later. Ah, cute so
0: summertime like... happiness. Yeah, it was a good dream. It's a good dream. A little yeah. domestic happiness dream yeah. with a superstar yeah it's <laughs> great i, I kind of wrote down right at the start a, a question to to talk to you to you about mm. and it, an interesting trend i'm seeing of these now very famous actors getting their start in horror movies i guess i don't really have a question about it i just want to to bring it up and maybe we can talk was about this it johnny a depp's bit. first movie it said in the credits it said introducing johnny depp mm. and you know we've had friday the 13th which, is, which was Kevin Bacon's first role. We had Carrie was John Travolta's first on-screen performance.
2: Halloween probably was Jamie Lee Curtis's Jamie first Jamie Lee Curtis one, or right, was... right at the yep, beginning.
0: there was an, an introducing. And it's, just, it's interesting how horror movies tend to give people uh, a start mm-hmm. in, in acting. Maybe it's just easier to get into a horror movie or...
2: Well, I think it's also a little bit of the era, 70s and 80s, because... These would have been very different than now. These would have been movies, quote unquote, everyone saw. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so just the kind of way that, because there just weren't lots of other movies like these kind of movies made at this time, now horror is saturated in our culture, right? Like it's not a surprising thing to see horror movies, and they're even mainstream now. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, I'm not a historian, I haven't really fact-checked this, my my guess would be because these movies are actually kind of rare and because at the time media was consumed more holistically than it is now by like the population and the market. So a movie like this or Halloween would have been viewed by just a very high percentage of the, of people. So it's not even just that a lot of people saw it, but a lot of people knew that everyone else saw it. So you could talk about it so that like, let's say a young Jamie Lee Curtis or a young Johnny Depp are in these movies maybe studios are willing to take risks on them more because, like, well, everybody already knows them because everyone's seen A Nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing. I don't know. It's just a thought. It's a potential reason. Maybe more people saw horror movies as a group than other kind of movies where new actors or actresses were introduced, so. Yeah. That's a long way of saying I don't actually know, but there's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's necessarily just horror movies. I think
1: it's it's like a cool little fact that you kind of can pick up from these movies i think big name actors have debuts and i don't know there was like a lot of teen coming of age things in the 80s and stuff so like i i think i i, I want to say that it's just a coincidence that you know the the four movies that you named all had big stars that had their debuts in it there might be like a real reason to it but it also i i feel like it's a coincidence i don't okay. think it's a necessarily yeah, like a thing but i don't and know. like
2: did anyone from texas chainsaw massacre get famous i don't think so yeah right. i can't so, i can't think of any names yeah. sorry
1: alex I think it's coincidence. Like, yeah, everyone will get their start in certain movies. I think it, it might seem like it more because in these kinds of horror movies, main characters are more so younger teens and like young adults. They they'll they'll often cast young adults in these movies. And you know, for every four big name actors that we get that have their film debuts in a horror movie, you have probably hundreds of thousands of other ones that become no names.
0: True, and I I bet in the parallel universe where we started a. I don't know a rom-com podcast. <laughs> right. There'd be similar, yeah. you know, all oh, those. This, this person's debut movie and this person's debut movie. Yeah, like, and, oh, and look at what yeah. Molly Ringwald
1: was in. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah.
2: The thing is, Freddie didn't seem tough. <laughs> you know, he just seemed creepy. Like I, I wasn't Jason when he's there. Is big and tall and strong. And uh, Michael we, Myers, w- <laughs> <yeah>. we hope. <laughs> and Michael Myers is big and tall and strong and and intimidating. Leatherface is big and tall and strong and. I don't know. Freddie looks like he's about (laughs) 5'6". Well, I
0: I wonder if they cast somebody who's a bit shorter and a bit smaller because the role is supposed to be this person who's a child killer. Mm. Maybe this person is not as big and strong as, say, a Michael Myers because this person is killing younger, weaker people. So the the need to overpower them is, is lesser.
2: Right. Right? Yeah, makes sense. But... Yeah, I just didn't find him scary. Like I thought he was grotesque and entertaining, but definitely not scary. Yeah, in and a way that I was at weird. least like Michael Myers is very menacing, right? And Leatherface is terrifying, and Freddy Krueger is kind of funny.
1: Well, I wonder. I wonder if because Freddy's primary targets i guess were children and i I think like every time he showed up in the when he was doing weird things and gross things he was like look at this and he'd like cut off his finger and like green juice would sport out yeah or like eels would pop out of his stomach or something i don't know i i think those are things that children would find more frightening Mm. so i i wonder if it's more so like an a kind of it thing where it scares are more geared towards what children would find scary
0: yeah and i wonder if the the idea is to you know, you know where it wanted to scare people in a in a way to kind of you know salt their dinner in a way right to to marinate them in fear i wonder if freddy wanted to get people scared because when you're scared you make dumber mistakes and you you panic and, and it's easier to To catch you, if if one person is panicking, one person is staying calm. That person who's panicking is gonna make a bunch of mistakes, right? But the the effects in this movie were good. The the acting was eighties acting. The the fashion was super eighties. The set dressing
2: was all the most eighties. But this was this was a fun one. (laughs) But you know why I didn't mind the bad acting in this one? Because it really felt like there would be like an original take, and Wes Craven would go up to maybe Nancy or the actress who played Nancy or the dad, and be like, look. You actually were like a little bit too good there. <laughs> Do you mind making it a bit cheesier, please? Could Do you be? mind making it a bit less like re- believable because this is a campy movie? So, I actually, I, I, in a way, in a weird way, I'm impressed that it feels like the actors and actresses had to act down intentionally as opposed to they are bad actors hmm. who can't nail a script. Like, it felt like the script was almost below their ca- capacities and had they had to act down to it. Like, it just... The stupidness of this movie, and this is a stupid movie, but it feels like it's on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Right? The, the cheesiness and the unbelievability is just too on the nose in a way that Friday the 13th didn't feel like it was on purpose. Like, it felt like that movie, Friday the 13th, they were like, okay, here's the script. Go nail it. Where it feels like at this one, Wes Craven's like, okay here's the script, it's intentionally like this, and you're actually doing too good of a job, so please uh, like, get a bit cheesier in your delivery. And, I mean, again, this could be something I'm totally wrong on, it's just a theory, but it felt that way. Like, I just got the sense that this was a movie intended to be kind of dumb in a yeah. way that is very weirdly charming. I found this a weirdly charming movie for a grotesque would-be horror film.
1: Yeah, it's like Star Wars.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it well, yeah, a, a little bit. Star Wars is stupid. Yeah, but in a charming way. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's in an endearing way, and, yeah. Yeah. and 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 importantly for someone like me, at least on purpose. Yeah, right? like the intention of Star Wars is to be what it is, and the intention of, or at least the original trilogy, and then the intention of this movie was okay, we're making hundred and ten percent schlock. Go. <laughs> And I, what, this feels
0: like it falls into a genre which has probably been divined in better terms than what I'm about to do. But mm-hmm. like sleepover horror, you know, you would this would be a, a movie that you would watch at a sleepover with your friends. Because, yeah. you know, you wanted to get scared and you wanted to... It's a very to, social movie, isn't very, it? Yeah, you would be watching it and then somebody would jump out of the closet because they bought the official Freddy Krueger glove and ha ha, so scary. So, that type of genre, that sort of collaborative movie watching experience, I think this, this, the Freddy Krueger movies are perfect for a bunch of 12 year olds who want to get scared Mm -hmm. for the first time. And this is what a
2: scary movie is, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. You know, and and you look at, again, I I just can't help but compare to these big, these four movies that we've all done now. Like, it feels like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween are both well-made films like they're the, the cinematography is quite impressive especially in Texas Chainsaw Massacre the kills are quite unique and you just get a sense that the, t- the people who made those movies are interested in cinematography and film as art right Yep. whereas I actually see Nightmare on Elm Street much more like Friday the 13th except what a good movie in that genre should be right the schlocky campy slasher jokey dumb teenager is done horribly in Friday the 13th and quite impressively in Nightmare on Elm Street. The The contrast between those two especially really shows one having done it well and one having done it quite poorly, in my opinion.
1: Like, Nancy was a pretty honestly bland character, but a bland character I could get behind. And, you know, Rod was an asshole, but he was an asshole that I could get behind, <laughs> so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, well, if we're talking about characters, do we want to maybe just sort of go through the characters one by one and in the order that they maybe get freddied to death? They were more interesting
2: than the characters in Friday the 13th, weren't they? They sure were. I found them way more compelling.
0: Yeah. I mean, so the first character we meet in the movie that's not Freddy, because actually the first actor we see part of on screen is Freddy making his finger knives Mm. and getting his hat on and pulling on his red and green sweater, we don't that, see his full face. Though we don't see cool. his full face. We just see like shades of him, and then we see this blonde gal named Tina, who is the the first the first person to have the dream in the very opening scene, and she is she's running around in it looks like a industrial furnace room type of situation. There's a sheep also. You know, maybe a lamb's to the slaughter mm-hmm. joke goes in here. <laughs> she's counting sheep to fall asleep. She's counting sleep da, to fall da, asleep. Da, <laughs> so many things. And she sees, she's, she just hears the scraping. And does do we get to see a full body shot of Freddy in the very first dream? I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think, so. think so. We get a little grab and then she we wakes. We get like
2: the fingers and the torn or like the sheared, whatever that is, like a. Is cutting through like, yeah, the canvas, the,
0: the, the canvas or yeah. the, the sheeting, the. You know, when you're finishing a house or working on a house, there's plastic cheating and stuff. And then she wakes up and her nightgown is all torn up in the front. And again, we have very quickly a, a movie where the adults are useless and don't believe you and explain away things and are by and large unhelpful because mom is, you know, mom is there and she just says, oh, you got to cut your fingernails. You don't want to wreck your nighty anymore. <laughs> what? There's five-inch gashes in the front of this makeup <laughs>
2: Realistically, the parents have the least excuse to be useless in this movie because they killed Freddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they actually know about him. <laughs>
0: they actually know that a person using finger knives killed a bunch of kids and they took care of it. And she's just like, oh, well, maybe you should trim your nails before bed. That was interesting. And so Tina seems to be the first one that has the scare. And she references... The person she saw in her dream was that scary guy, kind of like the song. And there's a couple times throughout the movie. There's this uh, skipping rope song. So that's the the phrase, and so she says it's it's like that kid's song, and so I wonder how long ago you know did Freddy Krueger get killed for this song to be in the the universe, or if that's just strictly in the the world of the dream where they're singing the song that 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 was interesting. And so she's scared, and she wants to have her friends come over and have a sleepover with her, and it's because of absent parents
1: because her mom is in right, Vegas
0: yep. with her boyfriend that's right. Mom goes to Vegas, she invites over Nancy and Glenn. So Tina, Tina goes to bed, and we have one of the coolest effects of the movie. I think that the, when she was being thrown up
2: around the walls. What do you What do you think about that one? It got me. It made me think of Poltergeist. Actually, the scene at the end of Poltergeist when the mom is getting thrown up against the wall. Oh yeah, remember that? Right, right. right. She's like in a shirt and underwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's laughs> in the right. Very same way that similar way that tina is and i wonder i mean seeing those kind of things like we've recently done hereditary just like those kind of like cool in the corner person hanging up in the corner of the wall like seeing it in these poltergeist and now nightmare on elm street it's just fun to see potential lineages of shots even in in horror films Mm -hmm. and i I was doing a little bit of reading just a minute ago that there's
0: a scene later on with a room set and a lot of blood that was it was set up on a big spinning gimbal so the whole set could move, which I'm going to talk about later. But back to Tina. So she has she has her first dream or her second dream where we get to meet Freddy Krueger and he does that thing where he cuts his fingers off and laughs at her. And he has the big, long, weird Monty Python arms <laughs> where he's scraping his fingernails. And that
2: was the scene with that awesome shot of him, his shadow. But it's like an enlarged shadow. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. it is kind of like uncanny in a dreamlike way that a normal sized looking man type man <laughs> has this massive projected image on a wall from a, a, like a, and, and kind of like hazy and moving at the same time. I thought that was a really good shot.
0: Yeah. That was a great shot. And she, uh, what do we got? I'm going to look at my notes. We're <laughs> looking at my notes. She's dreaming. We also see. Okay, yeah. So while she's dreaming, we see a cutaway to Nancy whose crucifix has fallen off the wall. And then we see one of the scenes that comes back a couple of times where something's pressing through a wall. And we see kind of the the fingers of of Freddy pressing up through this supposedly solid wall. And it's pressing through like it's made of rubber. And then she wakes up and puts the crucifix back. And I guess that turns Freddy away because maybe he's a Dracula. We don't know for sure. He could be a Dracula.
2: That was one of a couple of things that really... I, I loved because it was so obviously the inspiration for some of the things in Stranger Things. Yes. Right? Yeah the, yeah. the scenes where the, in season one, especially where the demogorgon is like trying to push through the wall. Joyce sees it and so does uh, the, the, the kid Holly. And you just like, oh, that's cool. But then you see it in Nightmare on Elm Street, like, oh, that's like the exact same shot almost, you know? So it was just cool, especially because Stranger Things is such a, mis- a mishmash of 80s culture, just to see how, both with the name of Nancy and like the main character kind of looks like the Nancy in stranger things. Yeah. Just how, Oh, this was the part of stranger things paying homage to nightmare on Elm street, which I love. That yeah. Was really and, cool. and
0: you recently rewatched stranger things season one. So I feel right. like I kind of want to watch stranger things again, just to understand the eighties, all the, the extra eighties references of There's it all. So many, so many. Yeah. So she gets, she gets attacked by Freddie. Tina gets attacked by Freddie and, We see, uh, you know, a close-up of him sort of clawing through her stomach. You can tell it's fake. It's got that waxy pink prosthetic skin for a second. And she's bleeding everywhere. And then just the scene of her being thrown around the bedroom, being picked up, being thrown around. I I wonder how they did that scene because even though I know it was special effects in green screen or something or wires maybe, it didn't look as bad as composite shots i've seen from there like it didn't look like it had that big thick black outline that we saw in poltergeist when all the objects are flying around the room or even you know some things where there's a character standing clearly in front of
1: just a projected image and i just thought that was a cool scene i think the coolest part of that scene was when well she first meets freddie in the like she leaves the house she meets him in the alley and he chases her into the backyard and he, he like tackles her and falls on top and it's like a sheet in the backyard falls on top of them but then it cuts into them being underneath the sheet in the bedroom. I thought that was the coolest part of the whole movie was that that kind of shot of her being in the dream but in like a real world situation, being cut back into the real world but being in like the same kind of setting with them tussling underneath some a bedsheet, yeah. a bedsheet. Yeah, I thought that was really cool
0: because I think in the backyard it is a bedsheet that falls on her that like would be the the one from her bed, and that's again the dream logic of you're outside, there's no sheets around, then all of a sudden there's a sheet over top of you because in the real world she's covered over and getting you know brutally murdered. Like poor Tina, she does not survive this movie well past it. Even though she's the first character we see, she's not the she's not the protagonist of this movie which i i kind of like because we're introduced to her and she's we think that she could be the last girl the one that survives the movie but yeah it turns out that nancy was the last girl in in this movie and she dies rod is useless because he's useless the whole time and was too afraid to to help her he doesn't do anything, he just kind of stands in the corner of the room and screams. And then, I but, mean,
1: what would you do, though? Used, I you said, don't like, know. Some invisible force pulling somebody and just blood... It's true. Just, you know, capriing sun out of someone. <laughs> Capri-
2: capriing sun out of and someone. And from what we got out of Rod, even if there was a thing to do that was smart in that situation, Rod would not be the person who knew how to do it. No,
0: Rod would not be the person who was going to stand up but yeah you're right you know i don't have context for somebody i care for being violently murdered by an invisible force so i guess i couldn't
1: answer how i would respond but i'd like to think that i would at least try to throw a punch he did keep screaming tina tina as if his voice could somehow get her down yeah so that was kind of useless but <laughs> i don't know that was probably a freeze moment sure yeah but you know kind of back to that backyard scene i think that that scene really eca- encapsulates how uh, how goofy freddie is as a as like a villain and kind of very clowny in a in a in a way i think there was like the light pole in the backyard and you don't see anything on that side but he just like he he comes out of it kind of like kind of like a clown car almost do you know what i mean yeah he just pops up from behind something that's
0: way too thin to hide exactly i thought that was a really great effect actually that was that was super cool and yeah, and you're right, he does he did kind of have clown-like movements. He was very very physical with the way his body moved, even though sometimes he had big extendo arms and other, you know, his face was a mask that pulled away and there was a skull behind it, but the way Robert Englund who or England, who played the played Freddy Krueger and has I think played Freddy Krueger in every movie cuz I think he's still alive and has played him every single time, so that's kind of cool for a legacy role. But the way he moved was, was good. It was very, was very physical, was very evocative of a clown, almost. But one with knives for fingers <laughs> and a dumb hat. So oh, any- I thought he looked kind of fly with that hat on. You like that fly? You like that fly? You like that hat? <laughs> buzz, buzz. Buzz, <Yeah. laughs> buzz. I mean, he had a good, he got
1: a good uh, outfit, Christmas sweater, little hat. Yeah, the sweater aesthetic was awesome because like, it, can- it comes up a few times in the movie. With the, when she runs in the girl in the hallway, and then at the end, like, the top of the convertible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, like, the sweater was awesome.
0: And I think that comes back in the later movies, because mm-hmm. I know that it happens in the in the Simpsons episode, where Willie is the Nightmare on Elm Street guy. There's a, a scene where he turns into a big ba- bagpipe mm-hmm. octopus spider, and he's in the, you know, all his, his claws have the tartan from the 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 tartan of the, his design on it which is yeah. very affecting so i think the yeah the red and green as soon as you see something that's red and green in this movie you know <laughs> oh oh no <laughs>
1: and they're not nice red and green it's not like a nice like oh i would paint my wall this red or this green it's like it kind of looks like shit yeah mm-hmm. i mean i would argue you shouldn't paint any walls red or green <laughs> but <laughs> green walls have their place i think depends on the shade in the club but it was like a it was like a split pea soup kind of green. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah. like a faded, dried blood red.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. puke red
0: adjacent. Yeah, yeah, super, yeah, super
2: dirty and burnt and scuffed and everything. And you know, it was funny. I was just thinking about this now. But this movie is so goofy, you don't really think about it. But Freddy Krueger's a pretty big piece of shit. And oh yeah, like Fred he Kruger? murdered twenty children, and then the parents murdered him. The, the tone of this movie is so out of sync with that fact <laughs> that you don't even think about that fact. Well, that fact is
0: delivered in a one, you know, a, a few sentence scene of exposition in yeah. the middle of the movie and then never referenced again. Yeah. The, you know, we, we'll get... Like get- I
2: should hate Freddy Krueger more than I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know
0: he's objectively a monster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and here we're like, this guy was funny and he moved like a
2: clown. What a great dude. <laughs> Whatever. Ta- tangent time. What were like? Did did no one try to find out why this he got set on fire? Like, was this was this a big conspiracy among all the parents? Which parents were involved? All we know for sure is it was Nancy's mom, but I don't think she would have done it by herself. She said we a few times. So it's like. Are all of the are all four of them parents involved? If so, why don't they even consider this Freddy Krueger guy as like even ringing a memory bell at all? Right, and they're just like mad at Nancy for being weird. Yeah, See, <laughs> I think that's a, that,
1: that's a good theme though in the movie, like on it on a kind of a deeper level, and amidst the kind of goofy plot and the and the just the campiness of it, I think this whole street is really traumatized by these acts of what Freddy did, and they. Like he got away with it, so they took right. matters into their own hand, and then they they went out through some
2: very hand wavy exposition. Yeah, the lawyers got fat, the judge got whatever, and he got out. Yeah, it's like what?
1: Yeah, but then like there's like some some kinds of themes that you see kind of pop up. Nancy's mom is like a very alcoholic person, mm. and you know the the True. parents are no longer together because her Nancy's dad is the police officer, so you know something has happened there. It seems like
0: Tina's parents weren't together. Tina's parents
1: aren't together because she, was, Tina's mom was with her boyfriend in Vegas. And it's like absentee parents. So I wonder if, like, the parents are kind of kind of trying to suppress all this past, you know, trauma and guilt of things that they did. Like, yes, they killed Freddie, which is like, you know, at the end of the day, it's justice. But, like, it's not, like, you're still murdering somebody. And, right? you know, that can, that can be a morality question in and of itself. But, you know, like, they did this awful thing and clearly clearly all the parents in this movie are dealing with their own things like was it johnny depp's parents i don't think they were very they didn't seem to care about the problems of the kids in the street like the dad was very dismissive about everything even though two kids from the same street have all died in the last two days yeah and it's just like you know kind of that stephen king theme yeah i was just thinking that that is
2: a very stephen king-esque absent
1: parents and non-caring parents and I think that might be a whole nother thing like Mm. which it wasn't it wasn't shown very explicitly but you could kind of maybe if you're reaching for something that's like something you could reach for. You
0: got the sense that once Tina was gone and then later Rod gets killed in his prison cell because the police like they find Tina's body and the window is open and, and Rod has run away. And so they immediately think okay well this guy killed his girlfriend and he's a wanted man now. But you get the sense you're right that Nancy, as soon as they figure it out, she tries to tell her parents something is happening. They don't listen, and so it's like, okay, well, it's just the kids that have to figure it out. It's just me and Glenn, and fucking Glenn can't stay awake. So I guess it's just me. Mm. And even even when the parents do promise to help at the very end of the movie, you know, she says, "Okay, Dad, I'm going in. I'm gonna bring the guy. You gotta wake me up in 20 minutes." And he's like, "I promise, I'm gonna wake you up." And as soon as she leaves, he goes to the. Police officer says, hey, come get me if she needs me. It's like, no. <laughs> That's not what she asked you to do. <laughs> yeah. And even when he, she was asking for help, this cop watches this girl break through a window and scream for help. And he goes, huh. And then she breaks through a different window and goes, can you get my dad? And he goes, huh. And then she does it again. He goes, I should get the lieutenant. And then she has to do it like four more times before anybody comes to try to help her. Yeah. It was just yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah. The adults were the
2: worst. And again, just all... But the kids weren't much smarter either no. in this movie, which is kind of like in in comparison to it. Like the kids were pretty smart in it, and the kids in this movie were not that smart either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how I, these, uh, are, these are these are eighties kids. Eighties uh, kids, eighties kids are not, stupider. Not not. not this era's kids projected into the eighties. Yeah. Because <laughs> those it kids were in the eighties as well. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> even later. But well, they had five more
1: years. Yeah, but so they, yeah, they were 2017
2: version of 80s, which is way smarter.
0: No, 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 because even in even in it chapter one, that was 89. Right. It right, right, right. was 84. That's yeah. five whole years yeah, to figure exactly, it out. You know, they exactly. got five years of knowledge to to gain. You can like learn all
2: Every single time Nancy talked to this movie, I was like, you are so stupid. But it's like in the most charming way. Yeah. She was charmingly idiotic. And then, of course, she's got the home alone end. <laughs> she just sets yeah. up all the traps. was like, wait a minute, you are this smart? What the yeah. hell? Hey, she yeah. was
0: reading that booby trap book. She was yeah. reading that booby trap book. Okay, but let's talk a little bit about Rod, who's mm-hmm. the next person to die, who is the just... If you drew a if they said please draw a picture of 80s douchebag, you would draw a picture of Rob and they, or Rod, and they would say, "Yep, you did it, good job." The guy didn't know how to button a shirt, <laughs> passed the first button mm.
2: ever. He was, you know, explicit. He was yeah. crude. I feel like in a more serious movie, Rod is a much more despicable character mm. than he is in a movie like this. You know, in a movie like this, he's clearly made as a stereotype to be. The way that he is, in a way that makes me take him way less seriously, and maybe this isn't great, but it's it's the tone of the movie. Because I take him way less seriously, I don't take I don't think he's that bad. You you
0: can't take a character seriously who delivers the line "sit on a rotating lawnmower." Yeah,
2: but like (laughs) again, this is of the era. Like the insults from him come almost like both ways. The insults and rejoinders are are already on the tips of the tongues of the people before the other person's done talking. Yeah. So it's like you're not even listening to each other anyway. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> as soon as, as soon
0: as he, what does he say? He he he. The first time we meet him, he says, "I've got a heart on this morning with your name on it." And then before he even finishes, Tina says, "You can't fit my name on it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: it's like yeah yeah it's good it's funny banter it's good funny
0: banter then he tells her to sit on a spinning lawnmower mm. and you're like okay so rod sucks but they're dating whatever
2: yeah yeah yeah. i guess also part of it is that you feel like tina knows how to stand up for herself and knows how to like handle him in a weird mm-hmm. way yeah which maybe isn't exactly healthy in a real life relationship but at no point do you feel like oh nance or tina's is, is in some way getting abused here no, so she the, seems know. to be
0: going along
2: with it. And, yeah. and
0: it's it is it is a give and take. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's still just like, okay, so we wrote this character to be very a very arch, a very pantomime character. Yes. Yeah. This the needle is swung all the way to douchebag <laughs> yeah. and broken off at that point. So yeah. his, his name is Rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Enough yeah. said. Enough said. And so it's, he it's,
2: like it's as basic as I didn't kill her. Well, then who did? Fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What are you supposed to do with that? I didn't kill her. I, well, who did? Fuck you. Okay, great. Thanks, Rod. <laughs> yeah. Real helpful. But Pink then Rod intelligence there.
0: Yeah. And so the other three are at Tina's house because Tina's mom is off in Vegas, which, you know, <laughs> if it's California, which it is. That makes sense for it to be a very quick trip because if it's in Ohio, that's not, like, somewhere you can drive to. Well, like not easily. Yeah. But from California, depending on where you're in California to Vegas, is not right next door, you know. the. Well, like, right that, that
2: one shot at, near the end with the bridge, like, I'm, again, I shouldn't be 100%. I'm, like, 98% sure that's in L.A. Yeah, it's a Venice thing. Yeah, so <laughs> that's yeah. not that far from Vegas. No, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of palm trees, as we've as we've mentioned it. But Rod is introduced again at the sleepover by, you know, jumping out of the shadows and scaring everybody at, at the sleepover. And then the, he proceeds
1: to... He pulls a knife on Huey. What's his name? Glenn? Glenn. He pulls a knife? Yeah. Pulls out a switchblade? Yeah, does he does. He? Well, wow. clearly you two aren't paying attention. No, to I saw that. He I saw said, that. Okay. He pulled out a switchblade. Yeah.
2: But I think Glenn pulled out something first and then, but it was like a way less of a of a weapon okay but it didn't seem serious so
1: it was like it made so he pulls out the switchblade so they know that he's got a switchblade on him and then you know when tina gets murdered it's like oh razor like thing so that's why it makes him a prime suspect
0: oh okay i missed that that's cool yeah
1: yeah Hmm. he had a switchblade
0: he had a switchblade well it doesn't surprise me he had every other you know douchebaggy thing from the 80s leather jacket you know collar flipped up of course he had a switchblade and yeah and then they go to bang then they go to bang, and they have very inconsiderate, loud sex when they know their friends are in the same house, uh, and it's Now I'm reminded of the
2: joke I wanted to tell the two of Oh, again. yes, you did say. I have a joke. <laughs> why is an atheist to be pitied? Do you know why? Why? Because they have no one to talk to during a blowjob. job <laughs> <laughs> And I only am reminded of that because of how loud and how many times Tita's going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> That's funny. I was just like, wow. <laughs> like, both Nancy and Glenn are just listening to you guys bang as loud as you possibly can, and you don't give a fuck. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> They were do- you know what they were doing
1: it in, in Tina's mom's in bed too. In Tina's mom's bed too. Yeah. Cuz like Rod's like, "Well, we, we got Tina's Tina's mom's bed. You can have Nancy's bed and you can have like No, he said, "We'll take the parents' beds. Right, you yeah. get the
0: rest of the house." Yeah, yeah that's right.
1: <laughs> you know what? At least it was Tina's parents'
0: house. It yeah. wasn't just a random house that someone was babysitting at yeah. like in Halloween with <laughs> a pumpkin
2: on the <laughs> side table. You know, we <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just—it felt a little inconsiderate on Tina and Rod's part, (laughs) right? To just go,
0: okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna, you know, have sex now. You just keep it down. It's just common politeness.
2: But it was like it wasn't even like it was accidentally loud. They're like, oh, let's be as loud as possible, just so Glenn. Yeah, it's it's that scene from uh, *Forgetting Sarah Marshall*.
1: Yeah, where they're like next next door. Yeah. (laughs) Bang! Bang! Bang!
0: (laughs) Bang! 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 But then Rob gets uh, – I keep calling him Rob. Rod gets picked up because he runs out the when he's hiding out. Nancy is deciding to go to school because she just wants to keep busy and, and forget about – or just, like, keep her mind off of the fact that Tina died. And on her walk to school, she gets tackled by Rob, who just grabs her from the bushes and pulls her in and says, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm not going to hurt you. Which, thank you for saying that, but maybe do a – maybe do a, like – come on over here moment <laughs> instead of just leaping from the bushes and snatching somebody especially in a neighborhood where there was a child killer probably not that long ago <laughs> mm. and he says he can't he doesn't know who killed tina he thought she was just having a nightmare he mentions that he had a nightmare about a similar thing that happened so that's where we kind of learned that we get more more pieces that multiple people are having the same dream nancy had at one point mentioned that she had a dream about a guy in a green and red sweater and I think Glenn also said something right and so these these nightmares are happening they're they're shared by the group we find out that Nancy was set up to lure Rod out somehow because as soon as he comes out her dad is there arrests Rod and takes him off to prison and there's you know three cop cars that pull up ready to
1: ready to bust this guy i like the details of that cuz you can see Rod he still didn't have his shoes on his knuckles were still bloody from like from tina's blood yeah just like little details like that were cool in this movie yeah and that's pretty much all we get from
0: rod we get a little we get another scene where uh, nancy and him are talking in the prison where he says he didn't do it and there was somebody under the sheet and blah 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 and then he very quickly gets you know freddy gets him with the sheet and the bars and he gets hanged and that's the end of rod Right, he served his function. He served his function quite well. So, who dies next? Glenn, right? Mm-hmm. So, Glenn is mm. Johnny Depp. Nancy's boyfriend, played by Johnny Depp. Yeah, he wants to believe, I guess, or he doesn't quite believe, but he wants to, I guess, appear supportive to <laughs> Nancy as a boyfriend, even though he is kind of useless most of the time. It's
2: hard to attribute any actual motivation to the characters in this movie. It's really hard, <laughs> eh? Hey? It's just, uh, I guess. <laughs> It was much more like Wes Craven wrote this script and was like, "Okay, I just need you to be here at this time, looking like this, and say it this way."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he he doesn't really know what's happening. He said he's had some dreams, and he just all he wants to do is, you know, flirt with Nancy, get with Nancy, and and she's trying to figure this dream sequence out. And so his major scene, I guess, comes or his big culminative scene comes when he's in bed waiting for midnight when he's supposed to come and help nancy catch freddy krueger in the dream and he you know he falls asleep with his tv on his lap and his headphones on he's he's double screening it before people had cell phones as much as he can and, and we see the scene of him getting pulled into his bed i think is a really cool scene that i want to talk about i like i, I love the practical effects of that mm,
2: one the death the death yeah that yeah, was awesome yeah and it, and it's cool because it was it was kind of out of character with the deaths previous there was a lot of blood in Tina's death and there wasn't any blood really in Rod's death cuz it was a uh, hanging but the the like buckets of blood was just something that would have been so cool almost to see in a theater setting i think just like i don't think you would have been expecting that at all and then also obviously i feel like that Kind of look was uh, something that would have been inspired for it, right? Well, who knows? I don't know when was the book written. I think it was eighty six, so this movie would have been out yeah before. So maybe who knows? Or he was writing it while it came out. And I mean, I I hate to make this comparison, but it was a little bit like Evil Dead. (laughs) I think they were watching Evil Dead. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Which was kind of fun to see. So it was really. it's so different. when when Glenn and all that shit goes into the bed, you're just maybe expecting like maybe we'll get a shot now in Glenn's dream of him dying, right? Because that's kind of what we've seen from both Nancy and Tina thus far. Nope, just a geyser. <laughs> just a geyser of blood. And yeah. uh, so
0: uh, i I had just listened to an episode yesterday of how did it how did this get made, which is a mm. a podcast that talks about really bad movies, and they they reviewed. Uh, a movie called Breakin' Two: Electric Boogaloo, which is a breakdancing movie, and the origin of the best sequel title you can find anywhere. The Electric Boogaloo as a sequel <laughs> title works in almost any situation. <laughs> I love adding it onto things. But anyway, anyway, the, the reason I bring up that movie is because in that movie, in Breakin' Two, there's this dance scene where a character dances around the walls of a room, and it's a practical set. It's a room. It's set on a gimbal so it can rotate. And that room in Breaking 2 was Glenn's bedroom in Nightmare on Elm Street. It was the exact same set. They It came out around the same time and they used the same, the same set piece. So this thing was able to be rotated around. And that geyser of blood was, you know, long story short, it was a hole in the ceiling of an upside down set with a bunch of blood poured through. And so they filmed it upside down. And that's where we got that. But that whole set could like rotate and turn and move. And that's why we saw the blood streaming in different directions. And Was it a
2: life-sized room size? Yes, yeah. set, though, a on a gimbal? Room oh, set. very cool. And
0: I was just looking up an article right now that I was reading. I didn't have a chance to grab the headline or whatever. But I think they, re- they reused that set, that gimbal, to have Tina's death scene as well. Ah. And that was also people flipping the room and having a gimbal. And there was... Uh, I I when I was just scanning the article, there was a cameraman strapped into an airplane seat that was mm. moving around to get the effect of her, uh, you know, sliding around in this blood-filled room, which is really cool. Like that's it's just... really
2: really cool, and it's <laughs> cool in movie lore because it makes me think of the scene in Inception. Yes, with art like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt Arthur's dream sequence in that movie being obviously on a gimbal, right? Yeah, because that that's worked. when the
0: the truck is crashing, and then yeah. his dream, everything's floating yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And it's cool that those are both dream movies. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I would, if you told me that Christopher Nolan was inspired by the dream logic in Nightmare on Elm Street, I would say, obviously. It wouldn't even be a surprise. (laughs) I would say, yeah, of course he was.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, I I mean, this is totally outside of this movie, but I feel like the greatest filmmakers are deep appreciators of the history of film. Mm -hmm. You know? So like... The people we think of, like the Christopher Nolans, even the Tarantino's, and and even some of these newer horror people like Ari Aster that we that did Hereditary, like you can just tell watching their movies that they appreciate uh, all of the things that came before them mm-hmm. it, that built into the industry in some way, you know. And I I appreciate that so deeply, and I think that's probably one of the reasons I also really like Nightmare on Elm Street, is because it's clear Wes Craven also appreciates the history of film and how it affects audiences, which is maybe something I'll talk about at the end when I give my rating. Cause it's the thing that I've been thinking about the most about why I like this movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, just all of that is really cool. I think, you know? Yeah.
0: I like that. We started the segment on talking about Glenn, and then we talked about <laughs> movies for five minutes,
2: Yeah, which is great. Well, it's hard, you know, because it is this, is, uh, this is a, it's hard to know exactly what to say about this movie because yeah. it's so all over the place and yet really fun. It is fun i think fun is the best adjective for
0: for this movie because there's a couple scares i'll save my you know spot them for the end of the the show but it's not scary like i wasn't in fear i wasn't hiding behind my notebook i wasn't afraid of what was going to come next any of the scares that happened were very sudden there wasn't yeah there wasn't a hereditary long slow 30 second shot where somebody's mm-hmm. hiding in the shadows and you don't notice it until halfway through the, sh- the scene and then you're freaked out it was all just very quick here's a scare here's a scare here's some acting in air quotes uh, <laughs> here's some right. more scare yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah so glenn was yeah glenn was good glenn. hair he had really good hair,
2: good hair. you made the comment
0: Fred Savage-esque. He looks so much like Fred Savage. I know, he did. he's such a little baby. And that's, again, I think that, you know, seeing these actors who we've seen, you know, from movies in the the 2000s and beyond when we were sort of more cognizant of watching movies with real-life actors <laughs> and not necessarily cartoons. Yeah. But seeing these actors who are older, just seeing them as, like, the little tiny baby fetuses, basically.
2: And it was nice to know that Johnny Depp was in a horror movie that was better than Secret Window. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I I'm glad, gonna, I I'm glad that was p- his <laughs> utmost horror film. I thought you were going to say Pirates 5. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pirates 5 and Secret Window are battling it out for a <laughs> least impressive <laughs> depth horror film. <laughs> Wait, you've seen Pirates 5? I have not seen Pirates 5.
0: I think I saw up to 4, and then I was like, okay, I get it. We're done with this movie franchise. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah. I like so. Pirates 1. It's yeah. a good movie.
2: It's good. And Glenn was good. Glenn's Fine. good. Uh, Do you so have
0: anything good. to add about the character
2: of Glenn in Nightmare A Nightmare on Elm Street? I mostly see Glenn as the as a as a mechanism in the movie to spur Nancy on. Or or to give something because this movie's about Nancy. Really? This movie's movie is movie is about Nancy, Nancy yeah. and Freddie, but still mostly Nancy. And I think Glenn's main role in the film was to give Nancy a sounding board so that she's not just telling us what's happening in her head she's telling a character yes right? she, but she really
0: she's telling us <laughs> she doesn't have to turn to camera and narrate she yeah, can yeah yeah talk to somebody else okay, glenn, glenn
2: exists as the stand-in for breaking the fourth wall yes in this movie <laughs> glenn was wearing a sign that said i am the audience please look at me <laughs> yeah exactly
0: which is a weird choice but i i respect it okay well why don't we talk about nancy then well
1: how do we feel about nancy nancy's cool i like her like i said she's like not a really deep character and not really that interesting but she was compelling enough for me to want to you know follow it was it was kind of like a mystery movie really and she was trying to figure out what was going on yeah that's really the the meat and potatoes of it is that she was uninteresting but also interesting at the same time yeah
0: yeah, what I thought she was, again, when this movie opened, I was under the impression that Tina was going to be our main protagonist and Nancy was going to be the friend. You know, last week in It Follows, we had Jamie and then Yara, who was just there mm-hmm. and doing right. her own thing. I thought Nancy was going to be that type of character, where she's there, she's supportive, maybe she dies third or fourth, but, you know, it switches as soon as Tina dies. This movie is all about Nancy. Now mm-hmm. blondes die first,
2: right? Uh, that's true. Blondes do die first, tend
0: ten, ten to, I mean, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think Nancy was perfectly cast. Yeah. The the actress, what was her name? Kelly something? Helen Helen Longenkamp. Okay. Helen Longenkamp and whatever. That's not it. <laughs> that's not it. Okay. Well, whoever was the actress that played Nancy was perfectly cast. Because I thought her look and her aesthetic was, to me, it's the way that Nancy looks is as intimately tied to this film as the way Freddy Krueger looks. Just her frizzy hair the the kind of the clothes she's wearing like the really stereotypical wholesome 80s clothing and the kind of like her blue eyes even it just the little gap in her teeth it was like down to the most detailed aesthetic she was the perfect protagonist in this film yes
0: imdb says and i got this wrong it's heather langenkamp Heather Langenkamp is an right actor, up. so you can all stop very close emailing us and telling us. You can email us about other things. But and so
2: I think that yeah. because this wasn't a movie that needed a particularly deep performance from its protagonist, it just needed a kind of frantic and over-the-top cheesiness. Some was the Im- screaming. Yeah, the, the most important part was actually to find a young woman who looked perfect for this role, and they did it. Like I can't I mean, obviously it's hard to imagine. A, a different looking actress playing any different, any given character, but the, I, it's just, she so looked like the 1980s. Yes. And, and I, it- and I see this movie being like maybe top five best representatives of the decade like mm. okay in the 1980s they said the people are going to love this decade for nostalgia so make the movie that can stand that test so it's like there's back to the future there's e.t princess there's bride. princess bride and nightmare on elm street as here is the 1980s don't forget us yes. you know, and, T- don't and, you forget about and, us And, and <laughs> yeah breakfast club exactly like those five movies even and I just can't imagine Nancy looking more 1980s than she does. Yes.
0: If if Rod had the dial all the way set to douchebag, she had the dial all the way set to like innocent girl next door. <laughs> yeah. And perfectly, perfectly cast. She she did a great job. Yeah. And she had the bulk of the scares, which I thought was really cool. And the effects that, you know, the effects where she was being attacked by Freddie and her dreams were really cool and really iconic. There's that scene where she's having a bath And we see Freddy's hand rise out of the water where you just see her like knees are sticking up above the water. She's just kind of chilling. She's trying to fall asleep. And then we just see the hand come right up between her legs. That's such a cool scene. And I've seen that in... So
2: tense a million ominous.
0: Yeah. A million homages to this movie is the hand in the bathtub Freddy Krueger scene. So it was nice to see that in the context. And then just the effect of her getting pulled under the water and it's this big deep ocean. I don't know if it was, you know, connected to the, the toilet from train spotting, which also <laughs> goes into like a big deep underwater reservoir. Alex knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But like, I like that she could look up and you just see the outline mm-hmm. of the bathtub yeah. really far away.
2: And you know, that scene actually at first, when I saw that scene, I was like, uh, I, I didn't like Nancy. Cause she seemed kind of dumb where it was like, she, Oh, I just slipped mom. I was like, what? You were being pulled for like 30 seconds and you slipped. But actually when I thought about it a bit more, it's like, well, you know, that, that in-between state of like being almost asleep and almost awake is very disorienting and you don't actually really know what's happening to you in a lot of those times. Like, I don't know about you two, but sometimes I'm lying in bed, not neither asleep nor awake and I fixate on something that isn't, once I'm more awake, I'm like, why did I fixate on that? Like, it'll be something as stupid as like, oh, I have to sleep like this, otherwise I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just that your brain isn't operating on all cylinders in that in-between awake and sleepfulness. That liminal state. Exactly. And when I thought about it, I was like, Oh, actually a lot of Nancy makes sense. If you think about her being in that, what does he call liminal? Yeah. Right. Like not quite like, obviously we learned she's awake for like seven days or something like that. Right. Like that's not going to lead to the most coherent decision-making. And so then I, I flipped my thought from her being she's kind of dumb to being like, oh no, this is actually a kind of weirdly realistic take on not sleeping. Yeah, you know I, I would have liked in that scene because I like that she stayed up for so long and we saw her,
0: you know, we saw her secret coffee pots and we saw her, <laughs> so good eh? so good. We saw her taking stay awake pills and whatever, but I thought they missed a trick by not making her look more tired. Like it didn't look like the, she was made up to have, you know more bags under her eyes we didn't get the sense that she was going off of 7 days with no sleep because i feel like you would be much more frazzled if anything her look got cleaner and more put together as the movie went on even though she did get a gray streak in her hair from the fright or whatever but just the fact that she still looked kind of awake and kind mm-hmm. of you yeah. know kind of put together was was a testament, I think they could have done a little bit more with the makeup, but whatever, that's really neither here nor there. She
2: had the hair of every single girl in the 80s in every movie I've ever seen in every picture I've ever seen of girls from the 80s. So much volume. So much volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think her best,
0: yeah, I think the best sort of scares that she got to be a part of was walking up the steps and just having the steps like sink
2: into these mud and and goo and and i so felt that scene yeah so felt it because it's like oh yeah that dream where you just can't get to where you want to go for some reason that you can't explain
0: yeah almost i don't remember a ton of my dreams but almost all of them involve me on my way to something and never quite getting there which i'm sure there's pages and pages and pages of dream psychology behind there but it's just interesting anytime i I remember a dream. There's always roadblocks that prevent me from getting to my destination. And it's usually, you know, usually I'm about to to get there finally. And then I wake up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, no. (laughs) It's like, finally, (laughs) I've made it to the movies where I'm going to see the movies with my friends. Oh, I'm awake. Damn. And then you try to go back to sleep because you want to watch the movie. But there's no movie. You're
2: just just dreaming. And I'll I'll admit it. I I had a bit of a crush on Nancy. She's quite pretty. I think you, in a in yeah, a, in a kind of like a girl next door type of way, where she's both quite wholesome, but also seems quite playful at the same time, which is, I guess, my type, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, for what it's worth. So uh, I did like how you know she got more foul mouth the farther the movie <laughs> yeah. went. Out. She started
0: out being so polite and nice, and then at the end, she's just like, just fucking stay awake. Glenn. The stakes
2: are way too yeah. high, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. Fucking wake up just
0: wake up and then she pulls the (laughs) she pulls the phone out of the wall and immediately goes ah fuck what if glenn is gonna call me (laughs) 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 it was
2: funny it was so funny she was just so charming yeah she was the actress dancy just very charming yeah yeah she's a lot smarter than what was perceived like just
1: having that dream sequence in the school in the classroom she she had the quick thinking to burn her arm to wake herself up
0: yeah that was cool she she knew how to get out of the dream through a shock or if we're going back to inception terms the kick you know to wake her well yeah i mean
2: that's actually a good really really good point as, as far as the mechanics of the movie go because she's really the only character that takes seriously the this is a dream and i have to beat freddy somehow and the and like i have to get him out of the dream or that i'm even dreaming Right? Yeah. She's the only one that takes anything seriously. Even though even though we're under the
0: impression that all four of our main characters have had dreams, she's the only one that takes it seriously at all. Tina just thinks it's a nightmare. Rod is useless. Glenn doesn't seem to care because all he wants to do really is sleep with Nancy and <laughs> he never gets his his opportunity. And then he gets sucked into his own bed and explodes. But that's what he gets for watching Miss Nude Pageant or whatever. Miss... Miss nude North America.
2: Yeah, I have to admit, I, I, I have a pretty foul mouth, and I've said some pretty crude things in my life. I don't think I'd ever admit to my parents I was watching porn or nude America or whatever. That's <laughs> just, I can't, I, I didn't have that kind of relationship with my parents. Yeah, you can be sex positive, but there is a line.
0: <laughs> so she, the 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 final act of the movie is her deciding to go into the dream world to... Attack Freddy on his turf and try to bring him out into the real world because she has a, she has a scene in the sleep study lab, where, you know, we actually don't get to see that that scene. And I was kind of looking forward to what a Freddy nightmare would have been in a hospital. I thought there was some really cool opportunities for that, but it was kind of neat to just see her numbers on the readout going really high, and she ends up the midichlorian count was the going midichlorian count is off the chart, and she goes. she wakes up and in her hands is Freddy Krueger's hat. And that's sort of when we get the parents finally admitting that they took justice into their own hands and killed Fred Krueger and, you know, they said it's it's all done forever he's dead he can't hurt you and she's not the thing with that is though she doesn't say i think i'm being followed by a man named fred krueger she says i'm being i'm dreaming about this guy who's trying to kill me in my sleep and they're like well that's not a problem he's dead mm-hmm. no you're not listening <laughs> mom no you aren't understanding
1: yeah how would she get cut on her arm in the hospital bed right right
0: who
2: don't see it probably long fingernails mm, you should trim those mm,
0: just trim those fingernails
2: I also loved that the radio station was KRGR. Oh, the TV station. <laughs> oh, yeah. The TV station was KRGR. K-R-G-R. That was a Kruger, great like, touch. Oh God! <laughs> such a I good... just uh, yeah. Big, and big I, Easter egg nerd
0: moment. I bet you more Easter eggy because we had subtitles on, so we got to see it come up. But I, it, you know, if you just throw it away, like this is KRGR. Do 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 do. Someone would be like, "Oh, did you uh, did Kruger you
2: without the vowels?" <sighs> just like every website in the '90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. It was. It was just so. This movie was a romp. It was a total romp. And I, it was so fun. It was a romp. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was a romp. And she... So can we talk about the ending, the specific ending of the film? Mm. Because, you know, listeners, there is not really much more plot to this movie. Than. <laughs> she goes in. She goes in. She kind of home-alones some traps in the house to bring Freddy in. And, and they are medium effective. And she manages to get him into the basement and light him on fire, which he seems really scared of. But then he kills her mom, and she uses dream skills, which are very, very passingly referenced, and he tries to attack her and disappears. and we think it's all safe.
1: Everything's safe. It's daytime, so safety, right? Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think it was just like if you take away the fear aspect and under like and very 100 percent know it's a dream, then he doesn't he's powerless. yeah, and like he just fades into blue. Blue sparkles, force ghost, you know. Yep. (laughs) Oh no, the force ghost. That was gonna be even worse. I like that. Yeah, the the way to get rid of
0: him was the same way they kind of got rid of Pennywise by just saying you're nothing. You're just I'm not vicious mockery. Yeah. That (laughs) listen, that one d four of psychic damage is really comes in handy. Uh, (laughs) Comes in so handy. But the very end, she's like, it was all a dream, and all my friends are fine, and her mom is. You know, they're acting and they're super, super cheery. It's...
1: I'm going to stop drinking.
0: Yeah. It seemed like... Good luck, Mom. You know, old commercial acting. Like, hey, honey, are you ready to go to school? Sure am, Mom. Like, you know, that
2: type of energy was being put out. You know what was so great about that scene, now that I'm just thinking about it, and it contributes to why this movie is self-aware, or it shows itself aware, is that in the scene where it's supposed to be dreamlike or out of reality, the characters are noticing that. Like, like Glenn is like, why is there all this fog here? This yeah. is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> so it's portraying to us, the audience, that they're in a otherworldly, like, sing-songy, the one-two world. But then Glenn is like, why are we in the sing-songy world right now? Yeah. <laughs> or, or something like that. It just signals to the audience, again, that Wes Craven is fully aware of what he's doing in this movie i'm thinking he
1: had that line because they were like why is it so foggy here it never happens here it's like their their way of being like trust us we're really not in la right now (laughs) there's no fog in la
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah (laughs) it's all smog there oh my
0: gosh what about this natural
2: ohio fog we're experiencing (laughs) so that was that was delicious to me those kind of things
0: yeah and i love that they you know they set up the fact that freddie's not gone because they get into the convertible And we think everything's fine, and the the top starts going up. And I noticed that when the top of the convertible was going up, before I noticed the color scheme on it, I noticed that it closed really quickly. It seemed like, you know, I feel I haven't been in too many convertibles, but those roofs don't just, like, spring shut. Mm, And this one kind of just launched closed, and then we saw that it was green and
2: red striped, and the windows Again, in a dreamlike way, right? That's just uncanny in that sense. It's just weird, and then it's,
0: yeah. The 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 Freddy Krueger stripes are on it. It drives away. She's pounding on the glass, and mom is just standing and waving. And then Freddy Krueger punches through the the window of the house and drags her through. And that's when the movie ends, mm. which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Sequel yeah, yeah. bait. Definitely sequel bait. And I think that Nancy is back for more of the
1: movies. Mm. I think she comes back. I think Freddy's back for more as well. Uh. If I had to, you
2: fifty know. bucks right now. Let's see. And do how it. <laughs> funny was that? Like, clearly, like obviously, you see the hand go around Nancy's mom, but then the shot is clearly a mannequin. Oh or yeah, getting pulled through the window. Yeah, legs like, are just. Wagging, there's a zero percent chance that was a human body moving <laughs> sure.
0: through the window. absolutely mannequin. And same too when Freddie was on fire and running around. There was a very clear shot of his face right. where he was wearing like a kind of mask over it, but you could see the the fire hood that the actor or the stunt the stunt actor was wearing mm. very clearly and i just love when characters get lit on fire in scenes because they have to wear the the fire padding that the cost they always look so much bulkier than they normally are and you just have to kind of go with it because yeah they're not going to set on fire a real person <laughs> so
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it was good and i like the i like the scene of the fiery footprints Going through the house, I honestly thought this was going to be another horror movie where the house didn't make it, but they managed to managed to save it. Mm-hmm. Or was that a dream too?
2: Uh, who's to know? Yeah. So do we think... fred <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do we think that Nancy actually did pull Freddy out into the real world, or was that also a dream?
2: Yes. I think it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just say yes. <laughs> I don't think it matters. You don't think it matters? I think this movie... Is so. I think the the things that make this movie work are so unrelated to their plot that I don't care. <laughs> in fair. a sense, you know what I mean. All like right. yeah, sure. I, I, sorry, I, I, that sounds too harsh. It wouldn't matter to me. Yes or no, this movie. All the things I like about it are in no way would rest on that kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. Right. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I wonder if someone has done a breakdown of which state of reality all the parts of the movie are in if it's all some kind of dream level or you know
2: some, yeah. some way but yeah, yeah, i feel yeah. like
0: at least some of it was in the real world and and we got a cameo from not a cameo but what was the actor's name from insidious that oh was, Lin shay Lin shay was uh, the teacher Elise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a cool you know because of this this podcast recognizing that actress
2: as um as from the teacher insidious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so that Very was good. cool
0: that she's got a little bit of a horror lineage and mm-hmm. i feel like if we had seen oh
2: it... uh, lynn <laughs> a lynn shea
0: lineage good one billy thank you i meant that joke i wrote it down and everything you can't look though but i did <laughs> <And> that's insidious <laughs> and that's inception oh no i feel like her starring in insidious was an easter egg for Nightmare on Elm Street fans
2: to say, hey, check
0: it out. This is... Well, especially if you
2: think about In Insidious, the kind of reveal is an alternative plane of existence, which is very reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Dreams, yeah.
0: Dreams, dreams, dreams.
1: I think if this movie, like, it's set up as sequel bait, but if there were really... If this was the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie ever made, I would have been happy with it as well. You know, it it felt very self-contained where it didn't matter what happened at the end but it would have like regardless of if they had like a neat little bow and it was like oh freddy's actually gone for real or oh no he he's come back but we don't know if this is real or not i don't think it ma- would have mattered the way it ended but just based on this movie alone if it had ended there and then for you know the rest of eternity i would have been really satisfied with it anyway
0: mm-hmm. yeah i agree i think it was self-contained it it makes me wonder how these you know, these these movies where they have a solo antagonist, whether it's Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger, do they go in thinking they're going to make multiple sequels? Do they just make it with a sequel that sometimes goes nowhere? Have there been examples of horror movies where there is a very you know, the game is on moment where there's, you know, there's more to come and stay tuned for future films and then they flop or whatever. And we don't get to see any more sequels with whatever. I would be interested if you in listener land and if you're in the sound, sound of my voice right now, let us know if there are movie franchises like that. Cause it would be kind of interesting to see a setup for a sequel that never happens. Whereas so far what we've seen is, you know, Friday the 13th has at least 11 movies, Halloween has eight or nine or 11 movies as well. There's at least five. But
2: now only two again. But now only
0: two again. (laughs) At least there's at least five Nightmares on Elm Street. You know, even Insidious has four. And Insidious, I can get around a little bit more because there's more to do in that universe, not necessarily more to do with Lipstick Face Demon. Right. So I feel like the big legacy sequels that work in the universe, I'm looking right now at Paranormal Activity. That seems like it doesn't necessarily have to hang off of one specter or one spook or whatever it can be this is the universe where there's lots of stories happening that's interesting but the i wonder if there's a standalone character monster driven movie that only has one iteration
2: uh, this would be a this is a way bigger topic and i know we could we could even almost like without talking about a specific movie we could talk about this particular concept for a whole episode so i'll just bring it to the two of your minds because it kind of this movie of all the movies we've done it reminded me the most of the modern halloween okay which was a movie made for the audience who knew what to look for and what to enjoy and so in a way that like look i love the original halloween and i really liked texas chainsaw massacre but th- both of those movies felt to me like a filmmaker telling me a story and like for lack of a better term giving me a lecture Whereas this movie at Nightmare on Elm Street felt like I was in conversation with Wes Craven, oh, I felt like there was an actual kind of back and forth. There was a hype, like hyper awareness on on his part of the people who would be watching this movie and what to do for them, right? And so, and that's not a surprise because he made Scream, right? Which is the most obvious, overt breaking of the fourth wall about horror films. Right. And I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street is a covert breaking of the fourth wall of horror movies for being savvy of the kind of people who are going to be watching this movie and giving them the, the perfect kind of schlock and camp that let them know that you know that they're watching your movie. Hmm. And I think that of all of the movies we've done, Halloween, Modern, and Nightmare on Elm Street make me feel that way, where it's just like oh, okay, this movie has been this way. I'm going to give you a geyser of blood now because you're going to know that that isn't something you've expected in this movie at all. And yet, hopefully, like, you connect all the dots of all the little pieces of data I've given you in this movie to realize that, in a weird way, this movie feels like a love letter to people who think horror movies are stupid but still kind of like to watch them anyway for the fun of it. I feel like you're leaving you know? off a pretty substantial entry from that list. Oh, I think okay. Cabin in the Woods. Right, is, yes. You know, yeah, very yeah, exactly, very explicitly,
0: you know, this is for you, horror movie yes. people. Mm-hmm. You know. So and,
2: and yet, because this is nineteen eighty-four, this is like the very beginning of that potential wink and a nod in the horror genre. <laughs> and yet it's so funny because Nightmare on Elm Street is considered a part of the canon of the horror genre, and yet I'm seeing it as like the harbinger of the more campy genre the that goofy, but yeah. but like the highbrow camp as opposed to like just the shitty camp that was Friday the 13th mm-hmm. to me right like friday the 13th felt like the, the director didn't know anything about the people who'd be watching his movie i mean movie. camp crystal lake looked like it was a pretty shitty camp <laughs> exactly <laughs> whereas nightmare on elm street this movie on it and again this is why I liked doing this movie this far into our run if this was one of the first movies we did on on nothing to fear where I didn't Know as much about horror movies as I do now, I'd be like, eh, this movie kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But because I do know, I, I feel like I know as much about as I do from seeing all these different movies. Like, it's just more triangulation to go into be like watching this and be like, oh, all of the stupid things in this movie are so on purpose that Wes Craven is winking as hard as he can at me. <laughs> and I love that. Like, I just, yeah. I don't, I could watch the world's shittiest movie if I know the person who made it is giving me the world's biggest wink. Yeah. You know, because then I know that they're in on the joke that they're making king and, yeah. and i can i can deal with that and the aesthetic of it is just awesome because it's 80s right so yeah we love the 80s that's that's ultimately why i really like this movie and i'd love to talk more about maybe it'd be fun to do a bonus episode sometime on like horror comedy and like making a spectrum of how self-aware is this movie versus this movie versus this movie yeah you know and this one's interesting because it's like one of the first maybe you know
0: yeah i think yeah i think that's true because i feel like you know, we haven't watched too many movies from the 70s or earlier yet. I think the earliest one that we have watched would have been Exorcist maybe 74, I think was the was when that one came out.
2: Well, as we know I'm the resident expert on dates. So, so when I'm gonna was say it? 1925. Ah, yes. <laughs> it was
0: Shake Down. <laughs> It was train pulling into station and then <laughs> yeah. the But I wonder because, you know, I do want to watch those movies from the 60s and the horror movies from earlier, even though I have to steal myself for the dialogue being bad and the pacing being slow and the scares not being that happening. But I feel like that is also an important piece of movie lore to watch that would have been. Nightmare on Elm Street would have been the response to those types of movies exactly, that yeah. we are getting it now. So we are getting the response, but we don't have the call necessarily, and that would be interesting to explore more. Uh, you know, when we when we hit those movies from that earlier time period, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to sort of put fit the puzzle in. I well, think the farthest the farther we've gone on this, we've gotten more metrics mm-hmm. by which to rate exactly these things, yeah, yeah. as opposed to I like it or I didn't like it.
2: And you know, in talking about franchises, often and it'd be interesting to see the other Nightmares to to do this comparison with this film, often the first film in a franchise is the vision of a visionary, yeah. right? So John Carpenter with Halloween and Wes Craven with this one, although I don't know if he did the other ones too. But even like Saw, Lee Whannell, like yeah. the first Saw is a, to me a very visionary movie, a very exciting, he's not involved by the time we get to like Saw 5, Saw 6, which are just gore porn, right? Mm. And so... It's kind of like you know, a lot of, I wonder in a lot of these franchises if they just get taken over by a studio because they made money cuz the first ones are so good because they <laughs> tap into something because the person who made it is a true artist and then they lose their steam because they focus on the wrong thing. They just make it a Hollywood exactly sort of schlocky yeah.
0: cut cookie cutter type of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh th- I think that's definitely worth exploring and as we we're not going to do like a series on Nightmare on Elm Street, we're not going to be watching these movies like we did for halloween that was kind of a one-off but we'll probably splice them throughout every every few episodes to to work through the the canon of it
2: and do we have any final thoughts on the first entry of uh, nightmare on elm street just i love the music and, and that's actually part of the reason why I think this is on purpose. The schlockiness is because, like, if you were going to make a parody, you would use that cheesy 80s music that happens. And yet oh, it's part sure. of the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> right, just yeah. like out of nowhere, like. It's just like, what? Yeah. Just this driving synthy percussion noise. So funny. And again, the leitmotif I actually think is quite artistic and memorable and iconic. Yeah, it sounded
1: Ghostbusters to me, like the very start of it. Yeah, same same year. Ghostbusters '84 as well. Mm. Cool. Yeah, and then like just back on the horror comedy kind of thing. Like it it felt very slapsticky at the very end when Freddy's chasing Nancy all around the house, gets hit by the sledgehammer. Yeah, like it would have been it would have been like ultimate slapsticky if he got hit in the groin with the sledgehammer. But like just a little bit higher. But yeah, it was a fun movie, and I think all the parts of it worked really well with each other and yeah he's a cool he's a cool villain i bet you there's a cut on youtube of yakety sacks overlaid with the la-
0: the final scenes of nightmare on elm street just i would if there's not there is by the time i said this because that's yeah, how the internet works
2: that's true because freddy just is incapable
0: of staying on his feet yes yeah, so he just falls down he slips over he gets hit with a sledgehammer you know she she does <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I wonder if Kevin McAllister watched Nightmare on Elm Street. Exactly, yeah. And kept it in. Took inspiration. That is a a Luke quote during the movie. I credit (laughs) you fully for that one. But yeah, I bet you it's the same. Quotes only work if people get them. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) I just, I really loved the fact that she had a second hidden coffee
2: pot. In her room, which she does Yeah, to stay yeah. see, that's exactly the kind of shit I'm talking about. Where, like, they obviously know what they're doing because no, the, nobody has a second coffee <laughs> pot. And if you have two, why don't you have seven? Well, <laughs> that's what I wanted. Because
0: her mom cleans up all the coffee cups, takes the empty carafe, and then she says, "Okay, good night." And then she just goes, "Okay, I'm going to sleep," and gets up, and then pulls from under her bed a full mr coffee that's full and then i just wanted that scene to comedically continue where she opens her closet and there's a coffee machine where she lifts her pillows up and there's a little tiny espresso cup just you know
1: she stashed it all over the place because that would have made me laugh yeah in the in the alternate universe one the mom finds the coffee pot underneath the bed and it's like gives her the lectures like who taught you how to do this was it those damn beetles
0: yeah I learned it from you. I learned it from watching you hide your vodka (laughs) around
1: Mom sniffs it. At least she's using good beans. She's (laughs) using
0: good beans, yeah.
1: (laughs) Can't take credit for that. Thanks, Scrubs.
0: Thanks, Scrubs. Well, even though this movie wasn't scary, I was not scared during the movie at all. Was there a scariest part of the entire movie for for y'all? I mean, and objectively, it doesn't have to be, you know scary to you it can be the scariest if it's like everything in this movie was zero scary if something was 0.25 scary that's the scariest yeah for
2: movies that are this famous which means that you know so much about them even if you haven't seen it i try to do my best to put myself in the position of like watching this in theaters in 1984 not knowing any of the things that are going to happen and i think the two scenes that would have made me jump the most or at least like take a take a, a sit up straight in my seat are the bathtub scene just cuz it's creepy but it's so cool too. Mm-hmm. It's so well shot and it's like such a vulnerable situation being in the bathtub naked like that that it's like whoa, that's so creepy. Mm-hmm. And then the geyser of blood. Like I feel like if I'd seen that in the theaters just cuz there hasn't really been anything that violent in the movie. Like there's obviously been Tina's kill but Nothing to that degree. We're like, I don't think we're watching Evil Dead. Oh, we're watching Evil Dead all of a sudden, <laughs> you know? that Those two scenes, I think, would have been the ones that made me feel the most creeped out or weirded mm, out. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. What about your scariest moment, Alex?
2: I think when she looks into the
1: mirror and then Freddy jumps out from the mirror. Oh, yeah. That was a cool scene, too. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah, that was my scariest part.
0: My, my aversion to creepy crawlies came into play here because there's a scene where Nancy sees dead tina who's sort of tormenting her and we see a just a big gigantic centipede crawl out of her mouth which is a very close-up you can tell it's a mannequin's mouth that is made up to look a bit like tina and maybe with a lower resolution you can get away with it but you could tell it was just crawling out of a, a mannequin head and then it cuts away and then it's just a writhing pile of snakes but uh, the the big giant centipede or millipede or whatever it was crawling out was just, ugh, ugh. That, that freaked me out. Like legitimately, I think I went, oh, fuck. That was my oh
1: fuck of the movie. <laughs> mm. Also, another one, I guess it's cheating, but another one was when she's talking on the phone. She picks up the phone and like <laughs> Freddie's tongue's coming out of the yeah. receiver. <laughs>
0: that was, yeah, I'm your boyfriend now. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. maybe
2: for some of these movies we need to do grossest scene too. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, because there's definitely a lot of gross out scenes. Yeah.
0: Well, what should we give this? What should we rate this out of? Who's who's got a good five finger saws, finger gloves? Yeah, <laughs> finger, finger gloves points? I don't yeah, know. Or, or finger knives? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, how many finger knives are you giving this movie, Luke?
2: I think I'm even going to give it higher than I was after watching it because I've really enjoyed talking about it. Yeah, even me too. More so, like the thing is, this movie looked awesome it, because it was so of the '80s, and again, I'm biased towards that decade nostalgically for for the films and for the TV shows. So. And, and we didn't really talk about this, but I think it's cool that Freddy has a lair, right? Like he's mm. got like the boiler room lair feel of an aesthetic is actually so part of the iconic nature of Freddy Krueger in lore, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they're in this basement, this like kind of never ending basement with all of this fire and furnaces. And and, pipes and and wheels. And then you could probably see a lot of that stuff, like even in Insidious, like the fact that it's a furnace that turns on, even though they're in the attic, it's like, oh, you know, like that it's reminiscent of a Freddy Krueger type thing, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, even Home Alone.
2: Yeah. There's that furnace. Right. Yeah, Exactly. You know, so it's just like, again, I think this movie inspired so many other movies with just props and tropes. And with all of the music and the, and the schlocky beautiful like just best campy movie I've seen in a long time that I'm, I was going to give it 3.5, but I think I'm about four. You're going to give, it, give it, four. it four, four finger scissors out of five. Yeah. Four uh, out of five. I,
1: what are you giving this one? Yeah. I, I like this movie a lot. It was a ton of fun. I think from knowing so much about it, but never actually watching it, this was a good experience. And it kinda of gives me like a little bit more extra context in, you know, horror movie culture, which I, I always like and, you know, now I get those Simpsons references even more. <laughs> yeah. It was a good mystery, mystery movie. Figuring out what Creddy wanted or Creddy, Freddy. Did
0: he have any Creddy duality?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and just following Nancy around as I thought she was a cool character. Yeah, I'm gonna give it like a three, three out of five.
0: Two out of five. Cool. Yeah, the the Simpsons trios of horror episode is such a classic one for me that's so funny and just you know all the scenes from that they, they describe what happens to willie slash freddy krueger better where <laughs> willie's playing bagpipes in the furnace room and he says not to turn the turn the thermostat up and homer turns the thermostat up and it burns him alive <laughs> and there's a scientist. there you go says do not touch willie mm, that's good advice <laughs> so good <laughs> but as to my rating I was also going to give this one in the three realm, but I think just because it is so knowing of what it is, I am able to go into this movie with optimism, but still tempered to say, okay, this is going to be intentionally, not intentionally bad, but there are going to be things that are bad and goofy, and that is the point. And so I I think I'm also going to give this one a four. four out of five because just fun i love that robert england has played freddy krueger for the entire run of the character i feel like that's such a cool thing to have one person originate a character and then get to play that and inhabit that role which i can't wait to see more of the wacky effects the goofiness and even if it takes a dip because maybe Wes craven doesn't direct all of them i am eager to to go on the journey and fill out the Mm. The Nightmare on Elm Street canon. So yeah, four, four yeah. finger knives out of five for me.
2: Yeah, And you know, this is a perfect movie for the three of us to talk about. You know, just this feels like such a nothing to fear type of movie where it's just so funny and fun and culturally rich, which is something all three of us really enjoy and care about and have a, like I would this movie would be fine to watch on my own, but it's way better to watch with the two of you and to just reminisce and talk about, you know? Like, this, this movie even probably is better in my mind because I watched it for this podcast. I really like you know? watching movies for this podcast, especially because
0: just getting to sit down and looking forward to a, a Sunday to record and, you know, then put it out in the world. But just having this thing, just, like, having this to look forward to is really, really fun, and I love, I love doing it, and it makes me like the movies more, so uh if that's not cheer worthy do we have some some things that we should cheer do you want to go first sure i'll go first
1: yeah go first over the weekend i i cooked some chicken gizzards and they're really good oh hell yeah tell me more i don't i didn't really know what i was doing but i i cooked them and they were cheap and they tasted good so that was my cheer i feel like organ meat is underrated organ meat is so good when you when you if you cook it properly yeah it's good. Like the best part of the turkey dinner is all the organs, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you do, do you do stuffing with the gizzards? Uh, I I don't know. No. no, just fry them up. I don't know. I don't cook them. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's why my cheer is cooking gizzards for the How first time. How did you time. cook them? You actually want to know? I do want to well, know. Yeah, I'm um, curious. I poached them in salt water for like a few minutes, and then I like I, like f- very quickly on a very high heat, I seared them to give them a little bit of crust, and then you know seasoned it salt and pepper, put some hot sauce and some parsley on it. Damn, it's good. and Damn. it's so cheap. It was like a package for like three dollars.
0: Yeah, because they're because they're awful. Organs, Yeah, I mean, it's
1: not awful. A W F O L, but yeah, A W F U L. It's like it's apparently A-W-F-U-L. very high in vitamins. Get those V D S. Yeah,
2: nice. What you cheering, Luke? I'm cheering the fact that I recently rewatched the movie Jojo Rabbit. Oh yes, it's just such a high watermark of recent culture. I think in in film, it's so funny and so heartwarming and so sweet and so sad and so it's like almost a perfect satire it's hard uh, this seems like an obvious thing it's hard to make a movie about the nazis without, yeah <laughs> right like it's hard to make a movie that's the right kind of movie to make about the nazis <laughs> and taika watiti just made a beautiful film that he made is a, so I love that movie so so lovely and I just was like, just the conversations between Jojo and J- Yoki or Jokey, whatever his little friend is. Georgie. I don't think it's George. Is it Georgie? I think it's y- Yoki. Anyway. I can't remember. Yeah. You know who I'm talking I just, about. I just the, the other, it. Yeah, yeah, The other kid. Oh, God. I'm like in stitches when they're talking to each other. So <laughs> if any listener hasn't seen Jojo Rabbit and you want to just have your day made, it's one of the best movies of the last five years, I would say. So,
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah,
2: that's my cheer. That's an awesome it's an awesome one. My something to
0: cheer is also movie related, and it's just I've been revisiting the Lord of the Rings movies, the Peter Jackson movies. Just such a friggin' astounding display of movie making and filming. And when I, you know, I just those movies. When that movie came out, when Lord of the Rings came out, and when I was in high school. I think I saw it like nine times in the theaters. Mm-hmm. It was such such a big part for me being this super nerdy kiddo. And getting to tour around New Zealand, which I realized I did that 10 years ago, which is insane. Uh, but getting to tour around New Zealand and see parts where this this was filmed and to see parts of Middle Earth on this earth was just so cool. And so I just I just watched Two Towers today. And man, that's such a good movie. I would... I was I was finishing it up when you came here, and Alex, I think you came in. You're just like, ah, the best one. (laughs) It's like, ah, (laughs) Ruben, and I think it is. So I'm cheering Lord of the Rings. Just if you want, it's a long one, so feel free to do chores while this is happening because this movie goes forever. But just such a just such a fun sort of warm hug of a movie for me. So agreed, 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 and that'll probably bring us up to the end of the end of another episode. Or there's nothing to fear here and we're going to take some time to do some credits and to thank some thank you all for listening we don't have another itunes apple review shout out this week but that's okay i know that people are listening and that people like it but if you want to support the show it is super easy to do that through apple podcasts by leaving a five star review and right or leaving a five star rating and writing a little review it really helps visibility you know if you see our social media stuff repost it it helps more people see the show we are always growing and i don't say that <laughs> phrase <Yeah>. you know <laughs> unintentionally but a bang but we're actually always growing unlike some other places that use that phrasing and we we are just so grateful for the people who do listen and uh, thank you thank you all so very much for it so I guess I'm going to shout out every single listener this week and here
2: I go in a list. <gasps> Mike, Bill, Tina, Sam, Joe, Christina, Mike, Penelope. <laughs> but
0: that is uh, another way to support the show is to buy some merchandise. We have a T-Public store and there are officially two designs you can get up there. First is our our long-running logo design by Katie Rogers which you can buy on a very various number of things in the tea Public store. You can get it on everything from T-shirts to tote bags to stickers to uh, phone cases. And you can get that one. You can also get our new design, the daytime is safety design in color or in just black line art. Makeshift Madison designed that for us, and it looks so good. I love seeing it up in the shop. So if you want to buy something and if you want to buy someone you know, gifts for Christmas or holiday seasons coming up, this this is a perfect time to do it. And yeah, if you want to follow the show and get updates on what episodes are coming out, our Instagram handle is nothing to fear podcast. You can also check us out on the Twitterverse at nothing to fear P1. You can send us an email over at nothing to fear podcast at gmail.com and you can also follow my journey and my weird musings on my Instagram page, Billy by Design. I'll say the catchphrase again. There are underscores between the words, and Billy is spelled with an I-E. You <laughs> you know all of it right now. But here we go. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Alex, for writing the music. I before E when spelling Billy. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Love that. Ah. <laughs> Alex, is there anything you want to plug no. for this show? No. No. no.
1: Just <laughs> No. I'm here. You can listen to me every Monday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Yeah.
0: What about you, Luke? What do you got coming up? Uh, When is this coming out again? This is coming out, uh, I think, the 30th of November. Mm.
2: Yeah, okay. That means recent, maybe the most recent new episode for Really True Fiction will be Stranger Things Season 1, which I'm really looking forward to, so...
0: So that's why you were talking about it. So yeah, much. well,
2: it's on my mind for sure. And though Alex says you cannot find him anywhere, perhaps in the near future you will be able to find him on an episode of Really True Fiction. No, as way. a guest, which I am quite excited for. That's and, awesome. And if you could see his facial expression right now, you would see he's very excited for. it Oh, as he's well. dancing, <laughs> Steve, Holt. <laughs> Steve Holt, Steve Holt, so,
0: Steve
2: Holt. Yeah.
0: Oh no, sorry. It follows comes out on. It follows came out on November thirtieth, which was last week. This one is coming out December seventh. Okay,
2: that's so. Fine. But yes, there's a. Well, there's... then maybe you'll be able to already have heard Alex. I don't know. We'll see. Uh,
0: Steve Holt. Steve, Steve Holt. Steve So yes, there are there are great many episodes of really true fiction for you to catch up on, and something for any sort of palette of pop culture, from wow. movies to a couple of plays, a lot of books, and a couple of comic books. A couple of comic
2: books. Um, one TV show. Mu- music based one. Oh yeah, what was that one? David and I did an episode on our favorite singer-songwriters. Oh, cool. So that, like, that's the awesome. stories in their lyrics kind of thing. So
0: Nice. Yeah, that was fun. So, yeah, you can catch Luke on that one. You can download that wherever you found this one. And that's going to wrap us up. Next week, we are going to take a trip into some J-horror with the Japanese version of Ring. So I'm excited to see that movie. Is it entitled Ringu? I... I have seen it titled Ringu, but I don't know if that's is it just a Japanese
1: person saying ring.
0: <laughs> it is might that, be.
1: I is that know. why you keep saying that, or is it like actually?
2: I called think Ringu? it's actually called Ringu, but yeah. But I also kind of want it to be called Ringu, so I can think of Pingu, the penguin, P- and I'd be like Ringu, Ringu. Fucking love Pingu. Yeah, Pingu. Do you know Pingu, Alex?
1: Yeah, he was an asshole. The- of course he was. Yeah, his little brother was way cooler.
0: <laughs> you stand, little brother pingu <laughs> so, yes well okay ring or ringu we are watching that movie we're watching the japanese one first before we do the american remakes just the way we watched the spanish version uh well, we watched wreck which was the spanish original film of quarantine yeah was well the, the, the director
1: so. of wreck was like why would you watch quarantine just watch wreck yeah that's what that. he said so yeah i'm sure the Japanese director of ring Ringu would be like, why would you watch the ring? Watch Ringu.
2: That would be supremely annoying. If you made a movie and then it's like, everyone knew the American remake. Oh well, I think we'll do the remakes
0: eventually. Like I do want to watch quarantine and I do want to watch, you know, the American ring and, and it's, you know, the ring verse, whatever. But so that's what we're going to watch next week. If you want to watch it ahead of time, you have a week to do so. And until then there's nothing to fear. Bye bye everyone. And now, three acts of Cat John Snow interrupting the podcast. Oh, my cat is I think attacking saw, a pigeon. I think he saw a bird. Yeah, he definitely saw a bird. I don't know why I said that into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Habit. Habit. He's watching. Okay, well, if he makes noise, I'll put him in. Then I'll cut this part out. But Th- that is... Oh, this pigeon is really freaking my cat out. Oh, he's trying to... My cat is trying to climb his tower. <laughs> He did it. He did it. Good job, Cat John Snow. You made it onto the pod.